called Spread the Ops this month, and the Lord has really just given me a word uh, for the holiday season and for us as a church, and the, the subtext to this is exposing the kingdom of darkness. We want to expose the kingdom of darkness, which is Satan and his, and his kingdom, and we want to spread the ops, and if you don't know what that means, the ops is the enemy. It's our opponent. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so we want to expose what the enemy's trying to do in your life. So the first uh, message, I want to encourage you to go online on Spotify or, or uh, iTunes and, and, and download the church app there also. And you can hear these messages because sometimes you need to hear the same word over and over to get it in your spirit. And what I'm trying to expose to you, like I said at the beginning, it's an apostolic word in the sense of understanding. I'm trying to shift your thinking and teach you a new way of doing life. And the reason that that is so is because we all come from a dark kingdom. We were all saved out of the world. And now we've been born again into the kingdom of light. And the kingdom of light does things different. And as I shared on the very first week, what does it mean apostolic and what does that term come from? Where the word apostle is not a churchy word. It's not a religious word. It also doesn't mean, you know, oh, super spiritual. Oh, he's an apostle. It's a very functional word, like a word like a plumber or electrician or president. It's very succinct in what it means. And so the Bible says that an apostle is basically one that uh, was one of the 12. That's what he called the 12. And you got to understand why Jesus chose that title. When he chose it, it's because of what it is. It's a function. And see, at the time uh, of Israel and the time when Jesus came, Israel had been taken over by Rome. So Israel was a kingdom. And when Rome took it over, they brought in the new kingdom's laws and regulations. And so what the Roman emperor would do, he would send to every conquered nation what is called an apostle. And an apostle would go, and it wasn't a Christian term. It was a governmental term. And the apostle would go into this kingdom and teach everybody how the new kingdom runs and the laws of the new kingdom. And so it's interesting when Jesus ordains his 12 apostles or his 12 disciples, he sends them out into the world to be apostles. Now, what does that mean? In other words, he saw the wisdom in Rome doing what they did. And he took that title and said, you guys are going to be my apostles, which means this. I'm sending you into the world to teach them the rules of heaven, how heaven operates 
how I do things. Are you tracking with me now? And so if I'm doing my job correctly, when you come to this church, I should be challenging you all the time. It should be really causing you to think. It should be really causing you to go, oh my gosh, uh, ooh, I, I got some work to do. Or I got to change some things. Exactly. If you go to church and you're never challenged, we must question what is being preached. Because the kingdom should always challenge us to change. Because we are no longer in the kingdom of darkness. We are in the kingdom of light. And the kingdom has, a, has something to say about all aspects of life. See, some of you are married according to the world. you got to learn marriage according to the kingdom. Some of you parent like you're still in the kingdom of the world. you got to learn how to parent the kingdom way. See, some of you spend money, uh-oh, according to the kingdom of the world. you got to learn how the kingdom of God teaches us to spend money. And some of us think like the kingdom of the world still. So it's my job to try to help you understand how we're supposed to think like the kingdom of heaven. And so we're exposing these things in our lives. And so the first thing we began to go after is the spirit of disunity, the spirit of division. And it's trying to wreck your life. And some of you don't realize it, but it's trying to destroy your marriage because it wants your kids. It wants your family. It's trying to destroy your business. Because it doesn't want you to have anything that you love. That's the nature of Satan. Satan has come to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his ops. That's what the ops is all about. They want to steal, wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give you life and that more abundantly. So we began to look at what it means to be a divider and why that's something we got to guard against. And we talked to you about the fact that the name devil is derived from the Greek word diabolos. And the word diabolos means one that splits or one that divides. And we see that in Satan because when he was the worship leader of heaven, he got this crazy idea one day and he said, I want my throne to ascend above God. And the Bible says he convinced a third of heaven's angels he split heaven. And so you know what God did? God made him split out of heaven. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. So as soon as Satan got the idea to divide, God said, oh, no, you got to go. Then we see the devil in the Garden of Eden. And Adam and Eve are enjoying a great life in unity with God. And what does Satan come to do? He brings division to divide them against God by tempting them to sin. And guess what happens? God comes and he has to cast Adam and Eve out of Eden because there cannot be division. It follows all the way down to Cain and Abel. Two worshipers, guys. And one worshiper gets jealous of the other person's worship. And God says, don't you know that if you just do the right thing, I'll bless you too? Why do you got to be jealous? And in his jealous rage, Cain murders Abel. Satan's a divider. He's a splitter. And this is why, as a shepherd, I'm trying to get you guys to break your agreements with the devil. See, you know what we do a lot of times in church? We think it's okay as long as nobody knows. But God sees everything. 
And we've got to understand, folks, anything, anytime you let the devil in just a little, he takes over. If you tolerate him, he'll dominate you. So you keep the devil in your marriage just a little bit, that thing won't last. You let the devil in your house just a little bit, he'll eat your kids for lunch. So that's, that's the nature of what he is. And so he's a divider. He's a splitter. And we also talked about the fact that this, Satan hates unity. Why does he hate unity? Because unity scares him. Because unity is the key to the kingdom life. Now you need to catch this. We talked about this last week. That unity makes impossible things possible. And we looked at that in Genesis, the book of Genesis at the Tower of Babel. Genesis 11, when, when they were building the temple, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son came together. And he says, if, they, if they're in unity like this, there's nothing they won't be able to accomplish. Satan's afraid of unity in your marriage. This is why some of you, your greatest, the greatest problem in a marriage is trying to be unified. And as I told you the first week, Usually in a marriage, God puts two opposites together. Come on, Paula Abdul. Amen. Paula Abdul had it right. Opposites attract. They do. It's just the way it is. You know, you're a night person. He's an early bird. Come on. Amen. How many have found that out? God usually puts a racehorse with a Clydesdale. And you know what he says? Now be in unity. That's the beauty of the thing. See, why do we usually marry somebody that's the opposite of us? Because we need what they have. But Satan convinces you that what they have, you don't need. And he tries to convince us to change our partners and make them like us. But we don't need two of you. <laughs> Please, we don't need two of you. One's enough. God gave you that wife and now you won't listen to her. I'm just going to let that marinate over my kingsmen right now. You trying to shut up her voice, but you forget God gave you her because you're hard headed. Smile at me, kingsman. Security. How about walk me out of here afterwards? Okay. Same thing, women. God gave you a man who is not moved emotionally like you are. And you're mad at him for being a man. You don't care about me. Why? You're not. No, he's being a man. You're emotional. Let him be your rock. Oh, come on, somebody. Because if you're both emotional, it's a mess. I just wish he would cry with me. Yo, you don't need him to cry with you. You're crying enough. You need someone to come and say, it's going to be all right. But that makes you mad when he does that. You feel disconnected in that way. Could it be that that's exactly what you need in your life? So the beauty of marriage is two opposites coming together. Here it is, and I told you this, with the goal of being in unity. Because unity makes impossible things possible. Amen? Amen? Now, the thing God has called you to do is going to be impossible unless you get around people that you can come into unity with. And this is why single people, you can't marry somebody just because they're fine. This is why single people, 
you can't marry somebody just because they got money. You got to marry them with the understanding that can I be in unity with this person to fulfill my God-given mission and make impossible things possible? See, some of you understand, some of us that have been divorced, you know, it's like, man, I could have used this message 20 years ago. Pastor, where were you? Uh, but, 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 but understanding this, because sometimes we marry somebody where unity is never going to happen unless God intervenes. So unity is important. So we talked about unity making the impossible possible. In a marriage, the goal should always be unity. Not to prove the other person right or wrong. Not to get your way. Ooh, some of y'all ain't mature enough to handle this today. And that's probably why you're not married yet, which is a good thing, which is a good thing. The goal is not to prove your point or to get your way. The goal is to be in unity. Because in unity, it makes the impossible things possible. Then we also talked about unity brings the commanded blessing, which is life. Being in unity with others brings a blessing. It brings what, what the Bible talks about in the book of Psalms, chapter 133. It talks about how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending above the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commands the blessing. Unity is important. So we begin to challenge you and expose don't let the devil make you a divider because when you enter into being a person of division, you no longer work for Jesus. You are considered part of the ops. In other words, you are working for Satan himself and I'll prove it to you in the scriptures. See people, we got to get a fear of God back into our lives. It's not cute to go to a job that you prayed for. Remember when you were praying for a job? Come on, how many remember when you was praying for a job? Oh God, I just need a job. And, and then you get a job and you're just like, yes, I love this job. And now this job pays you a good amount of money that allows you to feed your kids, have a car payment, have a mortgage. Come on, somebody. Remember when you prayed for that job? What happened? Because now you go to work and you think it's cute to complain about your job. You think it's cute to go with the other coworkers into the break room and talk all bad about your boss. Now, let me tell you about your boss and the company you work for. They are the vehicle that God is using to bless your life. Why would you curse the blessing? I'll tell you why you curse the blessing. Because you've become unthankful. Second reason you're cursing your blessing is because you don't fear God. Because I'm going to tell you something. God don't play with this. In the kingdom of God, division is a serious crime. It's a serious crime. It's one of those crimes, not a crime where you get a slap on the wrist. Division usually equals you got to go. Think about that. Division is not tolerated in the kingdom of God. 
Satan says, I'm going to divide heaven. God says, no, you ain't. You got to go. Adam and Eve make a decision. We're not going to walk with God. We're going to do our own thing. God says, oh, no, you ain't. You got to go. The penalty for division is you got to go. So I would be real careful when you go to work Monday morning. And I would start watching what you say about that vehicle that God is using to feed your family. Oh, well, pastor, you don't understand. It's such a godly environment. Oh, pastor, my boss does this and does that. Listen, none of that matters in this context. You can't control how other people act. What you can control is you. That's all. So I know your boss isn't fair. And I know probably your boss may mistreat you. And I know there are things going on in your office that aren't right. But don't become a divider to the thing God is using to bless your life. Give the person next to you a high five. Come on, come on, shake them up a little bit. Because that's a good word right there. And for some of you that didn't know, I just saved your job because you were on your way out. Because in the kingdom, God don't play with division. Now, you're going to go to work tomorrow and you're still going to hear people talking about the boss, the manager. You're still going to hear all these people. You want to know why? They're not in the kingdom of God. And that's how their kingdom works. But you are in a different kingdom. And you don't get to act like that. Because when you act like that, you bring a consequence into your life. Amen? Amen. If you don't believe me, please study Proverbs chapter 6. I didn't put this, uh, I didn't give these to the guys in the back. But uh, Proverbs chapter 6 breaks it down to where Jesus gives us a list of seven things that he does not like. Remember, we already told you God is a God that does not change. If he didn't like it in Proverbs, he don't like it today. I'll just read it to you. He says, there are six things the Lord hates. Nah, seven things that he detests. Haughty eyes, a proud look, a lying tongue. Some of y'all are already in trouble right there. <laughs> Hands that kill innocent blood. I could preach on that all day. Who is the most innocent among us? That's going to make somebody mad, but you need to read the Bible. I'm going to keep going. Hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil. Feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies. And here it is, a person who sows discord in a family. Seven things God hates. Because God hates them, I want nothing to do with any of them. And so should you. Division is of the devil. So when you go to work tomorrow, before you walk in that office, before you, or some of you that work at home, log on, you could bring division through that screen. Trust me, I've heard stories. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, before you clock in, whatever it is, ask yourself. Tell yourself, I'm going to be a uniter on this job. I am no longer going to be a divider.
And the church said, Amen. but it's not going to stop at work because we got Thanksgiving dinner coming up. And how many of you know in your, in every family, there are uniters and there show enough are dividers. People that always got to give their opinion because they're looking for a fight. Amen. Always that Theo, that Thea that just wants to say, so what you been up to? They know, that you, they know you lost your job, but they just want to. Uh, uh, uh. And then you get the boldness to bring a boyfriend or a girlfriend to Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, Lord. And there's always that one Theo or Thea that wants to make it all uncomfortable and bring up your ex in front of the new girlfriend. See, you can't control that. But you know what you can't control? How you respond. Because it's going to happen. And you could either step into being a divider or you could stay a uniter. Come on, you know it. You could just dust that dirt off your shoulder. Come on, Jay-Z. You can just dust that dirt off your shoulder. When they throw you a little, "Mm," just, nah, I'm good. I'm not going to take the bait. Come on, look at your neighbor and just do like that on him real quick. Just dust that dirt off your shoulder. Because see, what I'm trying to do for y'all is I'm trying to get you to stay on the side of Jesus. And I'm trying to get you guys to make a decision that I'm not going to work for the devil. I'm not going to be a divider. Now, we've talked about being a divider at your job, a divider in your family. How about a divider at your church? See, this spirit, this spirit of division loves to attack churches. That's why we have so many churches in America. And when they did a church growth poll, you know what they found? They found that most new churches start up with people from other churches. Because people love to jump from place to place. Because you know what that means? The more you keep leaving a place, going this other place, you don't have to keep the unity. And many churches are started through division. Well, I'll tell you something. The kingdom of God does not move and operate in division. It operates in multiplication. And 95% of church growth in America is transfer growth. Christians Instead of working out their issues, they jump to another church. Christians, instead of working things out, they divide, they split. Now remember, who's a divider and who's a splitter? Before you go to a church, you should ask how it started. And people will tell you too, oh yeah, we're split from that church down the street over there. Now God forgives. He does. He does. We talked about origins. The origins of the thing don't always define a thing. There's forgiveness and all of those things. But listen, we've got to understand when God's in something and when God's not. And crowds don't always mean that. Are you tracking with me today? So I want you to write this down. Dividers are not serving Jesus. Dividers are not serving Jesus. They're just not. And when you divide, you're not serving Jesus. 
Why do you want to make people in your family mad at your cousin? Keep your drama to yourself. Why does everybody in the office have to know that this person did you wrong? That's all. Remember, who is Satan? He's also known as the accuser of the brethren. Dividers aren't serving Jesus. They're serving the ops. They're serving Satan. Now also write this down. Being a uniter is a characteristic of being a Christ follower. It is. Being a uniter is a characteristic of being a Christ follower. See, guys, you got to remember, the goal is not just making it to heaven one day. The goal is to be Christ-like. It's actually our destiny, according to the book of Romans. We have been predestined into the image of Jesus Christ. In other words, we've all been born with this innate desire and this innate pull to make us more like Jesus. But you you have a decision to make. Now, again, as I started to tell you earlier, uh, division is something not tolerated in the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 10 through 17. You can just write it down for the sake of time. I'm going to move through this quickly. Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says, let there be no divisions among you that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Ephesians chapter four says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called with all lowliness and gentleness and with long suffering, bearing one another in love and and endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. You see, the early church leaders understood that unity was of ultimate importance to the spreading of the gospel. Colossians chapter three, verse 12 through 15 says it like this, but above all things put on love, which is the bond of perfection or maturity. And let that peace of God rule in your hearts to which you are also called in one body and be thankful. See, the early church understood, guys, disunity and division cannot be tolerated. This is the way of the kingdom. So mom and dad, you got to fight to be in unity. Not false unity, true unity. I talked to you last week about what false unity is. False unity is you giving up what God has not called you to give up. That's why I said before, fighting in a marriage is good. And somebody said, amen, praise God. I thought we was way off base because we sure do fight, Pastor. We sure do fight. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not talking about physically, amen. I'm talking about just arguing. I got to be careful with that. Arguing is not bad. It's good. It can be healthy. It's just like in a boxing match, though. There are rules. My wife and I, when we do marital counseling and things, we, we talk to couples about how to fight right. There's a right way to fight. Just like in boxing, you cannot hit below the belt. Come on, somebody. Amen. You can't be punching below the waist. The family jewels got to be protected. You don't go there. And if you go there, you can be disqualified and lose the fight. We need couples to understand that there are rules to arguing as well. And there are things in your arguing that are below the belt. Like when you bring up things from 10 years ago. 
Got nervous laughter around it. Because <laughs> you know you do that. You know you do that. So false unity and real unity are two different things. False unity is you just keeping the peace. But Jesus said this, blessed are the peacemakers. Making peace and keeping peace are two different things. Fellas, can I talk to the Kingsmen real quick? Kingsmen, you got to make sure that you're a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. Because you still have to lead that home. Yeah, but pastor, I don't want to make my wife mad. Well, pastor, but if I, if I challenge her, she gets all upset. So instead, you know what you do? Yes, dear. Okay. Now, ladies, if you've got a yes, dear husband, you've done some damage and you need to pray. Because what you've done is you've taken away his manhood. And God gave you a man. Don't make him a boy. Because boys always, they should always say yes to their mamas. But a man, man's got to lead. Am I helping anybody today? Or am I getting anybody in trouble today? I don't know, one of the two. Someone's going to go home and have an argument. That's all right, that's all right. Because the goal of every argument should be to come into unity. It's not to prove my point. It's not to prove hers. Let's find out what is the unity. You believe that. I believe this. Let's come together. What is God saying? Can I get an amen? Is this, is this helping anybody today? Because we must become uniters. And I want to leave you with this. I want to leave you with this before we get into the holiday season. And I'm just telling you, don't miss next week because we're really going to talk about something that the ops is all about. Have you ever thought about how somebody you love could turn on you to such a severe degree, especially in our families? How is it that two brothers and sisters or two sons or two daughters can be so mean to each other? How does that happen? I'm gonna explain why it happens. It happens because we have an unseen enemy. How is it that somebody you were so close to at one time could then become a person who is spreading rumors about you, who is telling other people not to listen to you or questioning your character? And you go, hold on, wait a minute. This person said it? David wrote it like this. God, I wouldn't have cared if it was some of these other people in the kingdom. But he said, my own brother, my own son, Why do they do such things? And they do these things, guys, because of what I'm talking about here. Do you ever think about how Judas could turn on Jesus? Judas Judas wasn't a terrible guy. He was just like you and I. He walked with Jesus for three years. Jesus loved him, and he loved Jesus. How did he get to the point to where he literally teamed up with the ops to kill Jesus? This guy that traveled with Jesus was taught by Jesus, was forgiven by Jesus. Now he turns on Jesus. We're going to get into this next week. 
Because if it could happen to Judas, it can happen to you and I. Without the fear of God in our lives, people, I'm telling you. I know you got a good marriage right now. But if you don't wake up to the scheme of the ops, Satan can literally use you to divide the marriage. Satan can literally use you, mama, to divide the family. And I don't want to see that. And so we've got to understand and make a decision. I'm not going to be a gossiper anymore. I'm not going to be a hater anymore. I'm not going to talk negative about people anymore because, see, that's just what the enemy wants. I'm going to be a uniter. And 2 Timothy puts it like this, and I'll get more into it next, next week when we have more time. He basically, Paul writes to Timothy and he, and he asks this. He said, God perhaps will grant the people repentance so they may know the truth. And here's what he says, that they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. So they may come to their senses, escape the trap of the devil, having been taken captive by him, the devil, and listen, to do his will. So Paul warns Timothy, be careful. Satan has set a trap for you to take you from working for Jesus to be a worker for Satan. Instead of working to accomplish God's will on the earth, you can cross over to helping accomplish Satan's will in your marriage, in your family, in your church, at your job, wherever you go. And it comes down to this, not understanding that division cannot be a part of your life. And guys, this is why we're commanded walk in love. This is why we're also commanded forgive. Because the greatest destroyer of relationships is unforgiveness. You say, well, pastor, how can I forgive people that don't deserve it? That's where God's love comes in. God's love enables us to do what we cannot do. His grace empowers us to do what we cannot do. Why do I want that? So, I'm, so I can stop being a divider used of the devil everywhere I go. It's time we close that chapter. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store and you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.